Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask God that you might calm our hearts and focus our thoughts this morning on uh, the Word of God, and uh, particularly on the subject of peace. Lord, uh, when the angels suddenly appeared to those uh, shepherds in the field, the message that they had was peace on earth, goodwill to men. And uh, Lord, uh, help us to see how, how and if uh, peace is possible for us this morning. Uh, and it, it is possible. It's possible because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're thankful for that this morning. We ask your blessings upon this time together and speak to our hearts. God, uh, please take your word and apply it as only you can in the hearts of each one that's listening this morning. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you do in our hearts in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. The uh, title of the message this morning is, is, Is Peace Possible? And I say that because, you know, just uh, verse, verse 14 says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Uh, you find that on Christmas cards all over the place. Usually, uh, in, in a lot of cases, you, they cut off the glory to God part, and they just put peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and that's really the focus. And of course, that's what, that's what the angels did say. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men to the shepherds. But uh, you've, been, you've heard, if you've been around for very long, you've heard all kinds of politicians, uh, all kinds of world leaders, all kinds of people uh, talk about it's important to have peace. I got news for you. There, there won't be any peace on in this earth until the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes back to this earth and sets up his millennial kingdom for a thousand years. Then there'll be peace on earth. Until then, uh, you know, uh, Humanity will run amok, <laughs> and uh, until then, you'll find you'll you'll find that the human nature will uh, will prevail, and the human nature never brings never brings forth peace. Not the sinful nature that we have, but but peace was promised. And and the, the question I want to pose to you this the this this morning is uh, it, it, is peace possible? Well, it is. It definitely is. But whenever you have peace, peace never stands alone in Scripture. Whenever there is peace, there is always something linked to it. In this particular case, it was glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Why is it so important that, to quote that whole verse? Because there's no peace without glory to God. 
if there's no glory to God, there won't be any peace. Psalm 85 and verse 10 says, Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Well, you can't have peace without righteousness. If there is no righteousness, there is no peace. Proverbs chapter 3 and, and the first two verses talk about the law and the commandments. And by keeping the law and keeping the commandments, we have peace. Again, a righteous life. Uh, Zechariah 8.16 speaks of judgment of truth and peace. If you don't have truth, you're not going to have peace. If there's error, there will not be peace. Uh, Zechariah 8.19, same chapter, says love the truth and peace. So truth and peace are linked together. Romans chapter 1 and verse 7 and when Paul greeted those that he was writing to, he said, grace to you and peace. And again, uh, the thing that causes us to be able to have that peace is the grace of God. And then 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, uh, Paul greeted Timothy and he said, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. He said, grace, mercy, and then peace. Peace is, peace is really a byproduct. Peace is something that we, we, uh, we receive because of the work that God has done in our hearts. And, and the reason why this is so significant, what the angels said, I, I often, often uh, think, try to put myself in that, in that scenario. Can you imagine what happened and how those, those uh, shepherds responded? It was, you know, it was a dark night. You're, you're, out, you're out in a field. Uh, you, there, it, everything's still, everything's quiet. And notice what it says in verse 13, and suddenly, that means without warning, without fanfare, just boom, <laughs> it just showed up. And, and by the way, they did not sing it. They said it, okay? They did not sing it. And I'm going to address that tonight in the, uh, in, the, in the message, in the, the hymn, uh, Hark the Herald the Angels Sing. It was not originally written like that. It was written differently. Charles Wesley had his doctrines straight. Uh, George Whitfield was, on that particular one, was a little bit off because he's the one who changed the words. But anyway, we'll look at that tonight. But uh, the, the point is, is that suddenly, uh, I mean, you know, he, they, they, he could, they could see the light, they could see the angels, they could hear the voices. Uh, it, it, it had, to, to say the least, it had to startle those men. But what a great message. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Now remember who they're speaking to. They're speaking to folks that are Jews they're of the nation of Israel, and Israel is under Roman domination at the time. You know what they wanted? They wanted peace. They wanted things to settle down. They didn't want the oppression. And so, so this was a, a wonderful message. The, the question is, is peace possible today? Is peace possible today? The answer is yes, it certainly is. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Uh, we're not going to have governmental peace until Jesus Christ comes back. We're not even going to have, uh, I mean, honestly, you're not even going to have total community peace until Jesus Christ comes back. But you can have peace 
on the inside where it counts. And you can have the peace that passes understanding. The peace of God can rule in our hearts, but it needs to rule in our hearts through some things that need to be in us. And we're going to take a look at those things this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1 and Romans chapter 5. Colossians chapter 1. And Romans chapter 5. First thing is necessary. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven says that he made peace for us by the blood of his cross. Again, uh, the, the whole reason why Jesus Christ left heaven's throne, came down, was born in a manger, so that 33 and a half years later, he could go to a cross. He could die on that cross. He could shed his blood. He could become the atonement and the sacrifice for your sin and mine. Uh, go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And in Romans 5 verse 1 it says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and all that simply says is, is that uh, the peace of God can rule in our hearts if we have first and foremost salvation. And we get that salvation by being justified by faith, by putting our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Uh, I am so thankful that uh, lo these 50 plus years, I have, I have known that my sins are forgiven. I have known that Jesus Christ is my Savior. In fact, I can remember very, very vividly uh, the first Christmas after I got saved. I got saved in... in uh, uh, February of 1969, so that meant 1969 Christmas was the first Christmas I celebrated saved. And uh, I, I love music, I always have. I listened to all kinds of Christmas songs, I, I sang them. Uh, I was in church uh, during that season. I uh, was beginning to learning how to serve the Lord. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I heard the same old familiar songs that I'd heard for years, and they came alive for me. I saw things in those songs that I didn't even know were there. You know, born to give, him, give them second birth. I used to sing that, that verse, had no clue what it meant. Boy, in, in uh, December of 1969, I knew what it meant. I, it was talking about the fact that the Savior came so that I could be born again, so I could have my sins forgiven. And uh, the, the, the payment for your sin was settled at Calvary. And that was made possible because Jesus Christ was born in a manger so that one day he could die on a cross. But the, the number one thing that is absolutely necessary for you to have peace, and it's the most important peace that you can have, is peace with God. Uh, anyone who's not saved, anyone who has not 
not come to Christ as Savior, anyone who does not know for sure that their sins are forgiven, does not have absolute assurance of, of, uh, of, of their salvation, of going to heaven with, with God for all eternity. Um, if, if, they, if they don't have that assurance, they don't have peace with God. I went on uh, February 20th, 1969, uh, I went from enmity with God to walked over to peace with God. And I went from enmity to peace because I trusted him as my savior and I believed on him. I, I, I realized I was a sinner. I realized I was on my way to hell. I realized that there's nothing I could do to gain favor with God. Uh, there was nothing, no work that I could do that would cancel out my sin. And that's why Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day. So that, so that my sin could be canceled, so my sin could be forgiven. And it was not of works of righteousness that I had done, but His mercy and His mercy alone that saved me. So the, the first thing that, that is absolutely necessary for peace to rule in your heart is for, for you to have salvation. Then the second thing, go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, look with me beginning in, in verse 5. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now he's speaking to people that have trusted Christ as Savior. He's talking to folks whose sins are forgiven. And he says in verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. There needs to be a spiritual mindedness in order to have peace. Uh, what you think about is what you are. And if you think about things that cause turmoil or are in turmoil, uh, then you're going, to, you're going to have turmoil in your own heart. If, uh, if you fear things or people and more than you fear God, and, you, and the fear of God is not the, the, on the top of the list. The Bible says fear of, the, of man bringeth a snare. One of the ways it brings a snare is it robs us of peace. And we need to, we need to, to, to have our minds set on the right thing. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so if, if you're thinking on the wrong things, it'll cause you to have, have actual turmoil in your heart. Go with me to the uh, book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4 Verses 8 and 9 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any th praise, think on these things, these th those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. 
what he basically says, says there is what you think about will determine whether or not you have peace. Now, just think about some of the major things that you were concerned about, that you thought about, that you mulled over in your mind this last week. Do they pass the test of verse 8? Well, if they don't, then when you were thinking on the things that you were not supposed to be thinking on, whether it be vile thoughts, whether it be worrisome thoughts, whether it be envious thoughts, whether it be jealous thoughts, whatever it might be, if it didn't pass the muster of, of a verse 8, then something left. And the thing that left you was the peace of God. There's peace that can only come through the Lord and through thinking on the right things. And, and it, you know, this, this, takes, this takes practice. Uh, it, takes, it takes a conscious effort to think on the right things. Uh, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful I'm saved, but can I tell you something? Every one of us who has trusted Christ as Savior still has a human nature, still has a sinful nature. And, and we have to be on guard for, for wrong thoughts, I think, more than anything. The Bible talks about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of, of God. Uh, you know, constantly we're, we're being barraged. And not only are we barraged from without, but we're also barraged from within, our own worries and, and, and our own fears. I'll guarantee you this, this, uh, this last year has been probably one of the biggest fights I've had with thoughts. And, uh, you know, when, when my thought life is in control, there's, there's that peace that passes all understanding. But when not, when not, that peace flees. And you start, you start uh, majoring on, on what-ifs, and you start majoring and thinking about things that you're fearful of, and uh, that, that peace flees. Uh, it takes time and it takes effort. The Bible says in, in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, I love this verse. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, uh, because he trusteth in thee. Uh, the more we trust him, the more, the more peace we're going to have. So we need to have salvation. We need to have a spiritual mindedness about us in order to have peace. There's another thing we need to have. Go to, go to Hebrews chapter 12. We need to have a, a, a right response to God when we do something wrong and he causes chastening to come into our lives. We need to have subjection to him. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 through 11 says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. And I think every one of us can say a hearty amen to that one. Who enjoys chastening? Who enjoys getting disciplined 
for what you've done wrong. We don't enjoy it, but notice what the end thereof is and what the purpose is. But it says, nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. In other words, if you're in subjection to that the chastening, then there will be peace. And you will learn the lesson that, that God has chosen to teach you. We need to learn the lessons that God desires to teach us through chastening. Fighting God never brings peace. You know why? Because you never win. <laughs> he always wins. And he's always right. Uh, you know, in, in, um, in bringing up our children... Uh, every child is different. We had, we had different responses and because of their, their reactions and so forth to, to, to our, our disciplining. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we disciplined them different ways, but one of the, one of the ways was some, some physical chastening. And, uh, one, you know, some of them some got the message. I think they all in the beginning, I think every child, uh, you know, because, because it's, not, it's not joyous, it is grievous. And, you know, you, you, you say to them, well, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it does you. And they look at you and say, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the truth is, you don't like, if, if you're a good parent, you don't like doing that. But you know what? You sure do like the result. You sure do like the peace that the kid has when it's all done because he now knows it's right and he's encouraged to do right. And it's the same way with God and us. Um, you know, um, we, had, we had some that would just sit there and take it. Uh, we had some that just wiggled, wiggled their, yeah, I know, but wiggled like crazy, uh, put their hands in the back like that. Uh, I didn't like going to war every time I went, you know, to, to have to perform discipline on any of our kids. I, I just, I didn't enjoy that. I hated that. I didn't like it to begin with, uh, and particularly if it was like that. But, you know, you know, when that's the way, honestly, that's the way many of us as, as saved people respond when God chastens us. I, I encourage you to do this. Whenever ever anything adverse comes into your life, if it's sickness, if it's uh, difficulties, if it's, uh, you know, uh, relationships go awry, whatever it might be. Uh, the first question you ought, ought, ought to always ask God is, is this chastening? Is this, cha is this coming because of something I did? Now, it isn't always. In the case of Job, uh, Job was an upright man. And, and uh, it, it did not come into his life. He didn't lose everything he had because of chastening. Uh, so it's not always going to be chastening. Sometimes it's just refining. But the first question you and I need to ask is, is it chastening? You know why? Because most of the time it probably is. <laughs> you know, we've still got that human nature. We've still got that sinful nature. We've still got that, we're still prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And so that ought to be the first question that we ask. And what that is, is that is an attitude of subjection. In other words, we're subjecting ourselves to God and saying, God, uh, if, if, if it's because of something that I did, then I, I deserve this. I understand it. I want to get clear. I want to clearly know what it is. 
and I, I want to get it right. That's the attitude he's looking for in verse, again, in verse 11. says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. In other words, if you respond properly to the chastening, then you're going to have peace. What, what, uh, what, what things have you learned in 2020 uh, because the Lord had to straighten you out? Uh, what, are, what are some things that you didn't just get spanked, you didn't just get chastened, but you took note of those things and you subjected yourself unto the Father of lights in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. And you said, okay, Lord, uh, you're right. I'm wrong. I get it. Have you ever, ever been in a struggle like that with God? Boy, I've been in lots of them. And I can tell you, some, some of them happened at an old-fashioned altar uh, where I, I relinquished it. I remember one time God was speaking to me about something. It wasn't necessarily a chastening thing, but he was testing me on something. And he and I were, were at opposite ends. And I was fighting God and fighting God. And fight. I tell you what, that's miserable to be in that position. It's miserable. And uh, not only do you suffer, but unfortunately, so do the people around you because they get the spillover. And uh, finally, you know, you, you, you give in to God, whether it be, again, whether it be at an old-fashioned altar or whether it just be you and the Lord in private somewhere. And, uh, and you say, okay, God, I quit. I, it's yours. I, I, I am sub, is in subjection to you. You're not in subjection to me. Boy, is that peaceful. Is that, is it, you know, the, the peace of God just floods your soul when, when that takes place. And uh, that is necessary to have an attitude of subjection so that the peace of God can rule in our hearts. Another thing that we need, take, take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, back up a little bit. In Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15 says, Put on therefore as elect of God, holy and beloved. Now, he's, again, he's talking to saved people. He's talking to people that have peace with God. And he's encouraging them to get a hold of the peace of God. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Does that describe you? Verse 11, uh, verse uh, 13, uh, forbearing one another. In other words, putting up with folks. And forgiving one another, not holding the grudge. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Now, if you're, if you're you're, you're saved, God has a desire for the peace of, peace of God to rule in your hearts. And that, that requires a submissive 
attitude, a submissive heart. And what that is is just simply uh, the yielding of one's will to another. First of all, we need to yield our will to God. But second of all, there are times when we have to yield our will to others. And I'm not just talking about in authority type situations. I mean, there's times when we just need to not bring up something. We need to keep our mouth shut about something. We need to, instead of being critical, we need to be forbearing and loving. Uh, if not, that peace of God just, just seems to flee. Um, the three things in particular I noticed in this passage was forbearing, forgiveness, and charity. Putting up with one another. Not, not you know, have a hair trigger and be easily irritated. Forgiving one another. Not, not, not carrying things over, not holding grudges. And then, then charity. And charity is love in action where, where the Lord loves others through you. And uh, it's yielding ourselves to one another. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We fear the Lord first, and then we submit ourselves. That's, that's not necessarily talking about authoritative type situations. It's just talking about wanting to be a blessing to others and wanting to be a help to others and esteeming others better than ourselves. When, when I've got that kind of an attitude, there's, there's peace on the inside. But when I want to be first, when jealousy rises up, I, boy, I, I remember there was a time, this was years ago, and something was done for someone that I thought should have been done for me. And I, uh, you know, I, I, we, were, we were having, my wife and I were having some, some struggles at the time, not between us, but it was financial problems and so forth. And I saw someone else get helped. And I looked at that thing and said, well, that, that you know, we should have, how come we've been, and I let that thing get a hold of me. You know what that is? That's a, that's a lack of submission. First of all, to God and then to, to, to others. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't esteeming that person who got help better than myself. I was saying, I'm the one that ought to be helped, not this guy. That, that kind of attitude will rob you of the peace of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, a submissive attitude. And then last of all, supplication. Go back with me. You're, you're in Colossians, back up to Philippians. Book just before it, Philippians chapter 4. And look at verses 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God rules in your hearts when you spend time in prayer, when you have humble prayer and earnest prayer. And uh, there are times when it is so important, when you get frustrated with something, don't take it out on other people. Go to God and cry out to Him. And say, God, I'm frustrated. God, I, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, we ought to be quick to run to God with our, with our needs and our desires and our frustrations. 
instead of quick to run to other Christians and dumping on them. We ought to, we ought, we ought to be quick to be humble and to be, be, be sincere and earnest in our prayers. Uh, and and they've all, those prayers always have to be coupled with thanksgiving. Uh, in, in, uh, verse, um, in verse 6, it says, be careful for nothing. In other words, full of care. That's talking about worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Um, why is that so important to have it with thanksgiving? Because it keeps us mindful of how good God's already been to us and what he's already done for us. And the fact that he's done it before and he's capable and he, he'll do it again and he'll listen to our prayers. First, uh, First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Uh, that's, that's what supplication is. It's just casting all of our care on him because he cares for us. The angels came down and proclaimed to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, they did bring a message of peace and Jesus Christ did bring peace. He brought personal peace. This is one thing I've, I've harped on, I guess, this year and it, because it's been so important to me and I, I believe it's important to all of us. We serve such a personal God. And before he wants to bring peace to the earth, he wants to bring peace to you. And he wants that peace to rule in your hearts. Um, you know, I, I, I understand, you know, you go in the Old Testament and there's a lot of prophecies in there about when Jesus Christ will rule and reign over all the earth. Honestly, I think there's more about that than there is about him dying on the cross for us, uh, for our sins being the sacrifice. Uh, there's, there's tons of scripture about that. But listen, before he does that, he wants to do something in you. And that's why he died on the cross first. There could not be a... He would not take the crown until he first suffered the cross. Because he knew that... that the crown just brings outward peace. But the cross brings peace on the inside. And, and again, that's what the Bible describes as a peace that passes all, all understanding. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15. And look down. Look down at verse 13. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what God's desire is for each person that's saved. Now, if a person's not saved yet, what they need to do is realize that they're a sinner on their way to hell. Repent of their sin and Turn to Christ and believe on Him and Him alone for salvation. Call out for mercy and ask Him to save you. But once you are saved, you get that, you get that, uh, you get that peace with God. But then God wants to give you, beyond that, the peace of God. 
on a day-by-day basis in your heart. And, and he wants to give you, and you know, with that, and, and really this is, how the, this is how the thing works. Look at verse 13 again. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You know what I think our biggest problem is so many times? Some belief. <laughs> Some belief is just lack of, of faith. Believing that God can and will give us the peace that we desire. Peace is possible. But it's only possible through, number one, salvation. You've got to be saved. Number two, spiritual mindedness, thinking on the right things. Subjection, uh, learning the lessons that God's got for us to learn and not fighting him. Then submission, ha- having, a, having a submissive heart, not only toward God, but toward others. And then last of all, supplication, crying out to God and asking him to fulfill those things that are necessary and needful in our lives. Do you have not just the peace with God, then of course that's first and foremost. Do you have that? Are you sure that if you died today, you go to heaven because you've trusted Christ as Savior? And then second of all, if you've got that peace, how about the peace of God? Is that something you have daily? God desires to give it to you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts this, this morning about the peace of God. Well, first of all, peace with God for anyone who is under the sound of my voice and has not trusted Christ as Savior. May they realize, please, God, get a hold of them and help them to realize that if they don't repent and turn and believe on Christ, they will spend eternity in hell paying for their own sin, which is absolutely not necessary because Jesus Christ paid it all. And all we need to do is simply believe on you for our salvation. Then secondly, those that are saved, God, you, you desire to give us joy and you desire to give us peace. But we've got to have these things that we looked at this morning. We've got to have them actively in our hearts. We've got to have those attitudes. And Lord, um, perhaps this morning you're speaking to someone about one of those things that's lacking in their life. This This has been an unusual year. It's been a tumultuous year. And I know folks are looking for 2021 and saying that, you know, thinking that everything's going to pass. Could be worse, who knows, on the outside. It doesn't have to be worse on the inside. That peace of God can rule in our hearts through the worst pandemic or anything else that can be thrown at us. And if it doesn't rule in our hearts, it's not because of what's going on on the outside. If it doesn't rule in our hearts, it certainly isn't your fault, God. If it doesn't rule in our hearts, it's because there's an area that we need to rectify in our own lives. I pray that you'd work on our hearts this morning, speak to our hearts this morning. And Father, may may you do business with us today. And then may we subject ourselves to you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand.